Anytime someone mentions uh, technology, I get really excited. So putting technology and entrepreneurship together, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of opportunity. So what I see is that uh, basically, if you throw a stone in any direction, there's there's a frustration, and uh, frustration is basically, in my mind, an opportunity for someone to solve uh, and then um, charge someone for their solution. And technology, in my mind as well, is uh, a great enabler, a way to optimize. Uh, um, how someone gets their solution to market. So I, I see a lot of opportunities, particularly for Zambia. Uh, we're strategically placed in the world so that um, uh, with remote work and things like that, we could potentially be a hub for remote workers. Uh, I think there's uh, a lot of skill and talent in terms of the knowledge and skill and um, education of Zambians that they would be able to quickly come on board on uh, international projects and things like that, uh, in addition to solving our own. Uh, so I, I, I see a lot of possibilities, for example, in the agriculture space, in the finance space, in health. Uh, basically, wherever you see something that's broken uh, in Zambia, and a lot of things that are broken, um, make no mistake about that. Uh, but in my mind, those are a lot of areas for opportunity, and Zambians are stepping up to take up that challenge. It's no secret that COVID-19 has changed the way most enterprises conduct their business. The pandemic has seen many businesses that were reluctant to integrate technological advancements into their business models now embrace digitization as a coping mechanism to ensure business continuity. Today's podcast looks at the role that digitization plays in the business sector. We will find out some of the innovative ways that technology is being used to transform businesses in COVID-19 times. We will also discover how local businesses have adapted technology into their business models and what these changes have had on their businesses, as well as how this translates to the economy of Zambia and Africa at large. Welcome to Season 2 of the Bongo Hive Podcast, brought to you by Bongo Hive in partnership with the International Trade Center's Fast Track Tech Africa Initiative. I'm your host, Maretta Lindunda. This season was recorded during the time of COVID, and in all cases, care was taken to social distance or record the show remotely. Our first guest today is Wallace Ngige, the founder and CEO of Afri Delivery. He's here to talk to us about his digitally driven business and to paint us a picture about the role that such a business plays on the Zambian economy, especially during this pandemic. To kick off this discussion, let's hear from the CEO himself about what Afri Delivery is all about and how it utilizes technology to drive its delivery of services. Afri Delivery is, uh, is an online platform that uh, connects uh, users and uh, retailers and manufacturers. So when we started, it was a food delivery service, which uh, scaled up to other things. From food, we moved to pharmacies, we moved to supermarkets, and then we moved to courier. So we're basically an all-round platform. So when we started the business, uh, it was the idea was always to have an online platform. So we didn't want to, to run it as a traditional business where you would just call in and place an order and have someone pick it up and deliver. So even before we launched, uh, we started building the tech, uh, which was the, the app. We started with, uh, with the Android app and the website. And then we later developed to uh, the iOS app, and then we built the Partners app, and then we built the Riders app, and so on and so forth. So it, it started as a very basic product, but it was always 
our idea was always to start with the tech part because we had done a bit of research and I, and I, and I, and I saw where the business was headed. And the worst mistake at that particular point would have been to try to start it in the traditional way. So we started like that and up to this day, our biggest focus is always on the tech. To adapt to the constantly developing nature of technology, Wallace disclosed that Afri Delivery invests a lot in research to ensure that it provides the best updated and relevant solutions to their clients. The strategy that our business is using uh, to keep up with the change in tech is first of all research. So we try and follow the footsteps of these big companies and see what they're doing today and prepare for that. So most of it is preparation strategy and also invest in proper tech team. So we try as much as we can to make sure we're up to date when it comes to the systems, when it comes to the servers that we use uh, and anything that helps us deal with the capacity that we have as of today. We asked Wallace how these technological advancements and integrations feed into customer needs and the ever-changing demands of the market, especially now during the coronavirus pandemic. The biggest challenge we face, especially during the COVID times, is people are afraid. So you need to come up with um, innovations that make the customer feel safe. For example, we, uh, we introduced a lot of cashless payments. So we always push consumers towards... Instead of uh, paying cash, they can easily top up or buy a gift card using six, seven payment methods available in Zambia. So that at least uh, helps us push the cashless cashless campaign or contactless campaign where the customer doesn't have to meet the rider. So the, the customer can always suggest where they want the, the food to be delivered and they pick it up from there instead of uh, uh, meeting the rider. Looking at the way Zambians have embraced the social side of technological advancements, such as social media, can we say the same enthusiasm has been extended to the business sector? I remember when we started in 2016, we started, we started our onboardings in 2016, and it took us a year plus to convince restaurants that this was a good idea, this was where the future is headed. Uh, but I think a free delivery set started something that 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 has helped and 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 assisted the the the, the upcoming startups uh, to gain the confidence to launch such a platform. Uh, the way we started, because the way we started was a very basic product. We didn't come in with uh, crazy funding where we just put up billboards and so on and so forth. So we just grew organically, and that by itself, and also the time that we took. Is, is, is a testimony enough for anybody that's trying to do such a thing to at least start something of their own. It's, it, it, people are picking up well, and also in partnership with the, with the telcos, it has helped because when we came, things like internet were very expensive. Uh, payment methods were, were a problem. I remember we never used to have partners that will process card payments in gateways that will process card payments in Zambia. Now, I think we have about three or four, the ones that I know of. Uh, so I think people are are getting there. And also now the times that we're in has forced people to actually get into that direction. So now if you don't have a website, if, you're not, if you don't have an e-commerce platform where people can buy your things or even just a social media page, it becomes a challenge. He talked to us about some of those challenges and limitations he faced trying to set up a business on the Zambian or African market. The, the biggest challenge we faced was, and the biggest challenge anybody faces when you start 
in such an environment is product education. We have to invest a lot in educating the public on what you're trying to sell. Especially for us, when we came in, there were players in the market, but there were very small players and 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 what they were pushing was not what we were pushing. They were okay with just doing things traditionally. If you can't use the app, you can call us. We'll call the restaurant for you. You tell us what you want from the menu. Uh, for us, it was very hard because if the system is down or or there's a problem with the app, then you can't place your order. We we never take any offline orders. You never call in a free delivery and say that, please have this deliver for me now. And that's why now it's easy for any other platform to come on board and say we're doing the same thing a free delivery is doing. And at least people are able to understand. But when we started, it was very, very, very hard. You had to convince the partners, you have to convince the consumers, you have to convince the banks, you have to convince everybody. Now, now it's a bit easier. And the challenges uh, that you face uh, in, in, in a digital environment as a business is, is, first of all, the economy of the, of the country. You need to, the digital, uh, the, any digital business needs certain infrastructure. So if the economy is not able to sustain that or to build that, then it, it's, it's a limitation. Uh, first of all, most of the infrastructure comes from people like the telcos and so on and so forth. So you need to have strong uh, telcos in the in the economy or in the market to help sustain that. So the other one is uh, policies that empower the startups that 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 are trying to get into this digital space. For example, things like uh, funding, mentorship, uh, any basic help uh, these startups might need from bookkeeping. Uh, anything that helps them understand the business that they're trying to build. So we, if you have those policies there, then then it's a big plus. But if you don't, then you have these startups trying to figure out everything by themselves, which is a big challenge. So the other one is the political environment in Africa. Uh, we've seen uh, regions or places where uh, you've had challenges like the internet being cut off. And, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, any business that is digital and, and requires uh, internet to run is affected. So this is just some of the the, the basic uh, challenges that you face, but of course, there's a ton of them. We also asked him to project the future of business digitization in Africa. I must confess, I really liked his optimism. This is what he said. Oh, the future is huge. Uh, the future is great. And and also the space that we're in is, is, is also very ripe and very virgin. So... There's a lot to take over. So I, I believe, and also when you're playing online, there's, you reach quite a number of people. And also now you're not just positioned locally. So uh, where we see ourselves is at least we need to start seeing how we can scale or start doing businesses with other countries, other players in other countries. Uh, we started something called, excuse me, we started something called Last Mile Delivery. So last mile delivery was always the the future of our free delivery. Uh, so this is basically a platform where you have manufacturers around countries of this region, and 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 you use that platform to connect to connect uh, them, basically like the Alibaba of, of of today, but something just for Africa. Even if you just have a platform that can be used by four countries around us, you can consider that a success. So. I feel that is the direction we're headed. Uh, the food space is it's a good space, but it's also very uh, saturated. And, and 
it's 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 not a hard space to get into. It's it's not a space where you can differentiate yourself. So I feel the next uh, the next uh, space for our free delivery or any other businesses for us specifically is the e-commerce. Uh, and I also think the future for other digital businesses is very bright. Now more than ever, there is a clear tide in consumer demands and expectations thanks to the COVID pandemic. Like Afri Delivery, businesses like Zazu Africa have come up with innovative ways that seek to meet these demands and expectations. Perseus Mlambo, the CEO of Zazu, talked to us about some of the opportunities and challenges that come with operating a digitized enterprise. First things first, what is Zazu all about? At Zazu, we do two things. The first thing that we do uh, or that we started with was teaching people how to use financial services because we realized that there's a great disconnect between what the wealthy people in society are able to do uh, with, with their wealth or with their money. But at the bottom end, you've got uh, the mass market who are traditionally marginalized or they don't interact as well as they should or as much as they should with financial services. And that is a result uh, of not really understanding what insurance companies do, not really understanding what mobile money is and not really understanding how can I go and speak confidently to my uh, to my bank. So what Zazu did was to develop a chatbot, which was basically teaching people how mobile money works, how to think about insurance, how to borrow money. Money, how to think about getting a loan uh, and as a result of this product we're able to come up with our main product right now which is the Zazu debit card so it's a mobile wallet which is connected uh, to the Zazu Mastercard contactless debit card once you sign up for the wallet you get the card you can use the card uh, at any ATM that accepts Mastercard you can use the card to swipe for goods and services but more importantly any transaction that you do from the wallet or from the card itself is categorized so we help you to be able to understand exactly how you're spending your money. So there's a really nice, uh, what we really like about Zazu is that if traditionally you would look at your bank statement and you wouldn't understand how much money did I make, how much money is going out and exactly what for, uh, because what the banks do is they'll just say charges. And you're like, what are charges? What exactly are you charging me for? You want to be in a situation where you're able to say, X percent of my money is going to this. So that's what Zazu is. It's a digital banking product. Capitalizing on his experience running a digital business, we tried to find out what online accessibility in Zambia looks like. I would say people are able to access online services because there's one of two ways people can uh, can get their goods or services uh, or do whatever activities they want to be doing on the internet. So what USSD did particularly really well was to be able to connect people, even if they don't have internet-enabled uh, devices, to be able to pay for their taxes or to be able to receive money, which by definition means they're online. But then you've got the more sophisticated services where people are actually requesting food because they don't want to go outside uh, and ex- potentially expose themselves to the virus. You've got people who are now paying uh, for a multitude of taxes via the internet. But you also have uh, platforms like Afri Delivery, who are allowing people to be able to order goods or services, as well as Zazu, which is allowing you to be to be able to use your uh, to be able to use your debit card on the internet to pay for Netflix or Deezer at the comfort of your own home. So what we saw at the beginning of this year is an explosion of interest from people who want to be able to do all of these things straight from their phones. And uh, I would say definitely people are able to access these services uh, if they're able to afford uh, the internet data itself. Not disregarding the times we're living in, 
We asked Perseus to share his thoughts on what he feels have been the positive and negative impacts of COVID-19 on digitized businesses. So on the negative side, I think we saw particularly from Zambia how dependent we are uh, on foreign markets, especially like South Africa. Earlier on in the year, it was really difficult to get something as basic as, let's say, mayonnaise because there were no trucks coming in. Uh, and then later on, as COVID happened, we started to hear reports about fuel uh, not being available at particular fuel stations. So that really showed you that if you're thinking about developing uh, the future, there's really things that as a country or as a state, you need to be able to access both in times of peace and in times of war, right, uh, or in times of disaster. And definitely food was one of those things that was uh, impacted by COVID because it was really difficult to be able to get certain things that you would have ordinarily uh, purchased at your local supermarket. But on the flip side, we started to see uh, more uh, innovative businesses coming up. So there's a local company, uh, Lusaka Grocery uh, Company, who allow you to be able to purchase uh, bread, milk, whatever it is from the supermarket, and they'll deliver that to you. Uh, in 2019, that service wasn't there, and it would have sounded like a uh, ludicrous idea that somebody's going to do this. But in the context of COVID, it just became like, okay, this makes sense. I don't want to go to the supermarket. Let me do that. And guys like Afri Delivery, uh, I feel like they have uh, they have taken advantage of the situation really well by allowing people to be able to order from their favorite restaurants or get their letters or parcels delivered to the business they're interacting with. So it's been both uh, positive and negative. What has been Zazu's response to all these changes brought on by the coronavirus? So as Zazu, we, we noticed that there was a lot of interest uh, from people using the mobile wallet. And at the time, uh, earlier on this year, the Zazu mobile wallet did not come with the MasterCard. So the first thing that we did was to create a virtual debit card. So we introduced this uh, at the end of July, and straight away we could see that people were using it to connect themselves to the global economy. So people were using it uh, to stay indoors, to pay for Netflix, to pay for Deezer, uh, which was really exciting and then later on uh, especially around October we started to notice that people were actually using the virtual card to be able to purchase supplies outside from uh, from Amazon from eBay from Alibaba so we saw Zazu uh, function as, as, a, as a digital banking product where people are actually starting to take full advantage of its features so I think uh, what we did uh, what the team did really well was to introduce the virtual cards that people can use to buy services or goods from the internet Perseus also shared how social media has played a positive role in giving his brand more visibility and how that has translated to sales. It's been absolutely crazy, right? Because uh, earlier this year, in the first week of October, we received uh, for the first time ever 100 debit cards. So we were gonna. the plan was we we're going to give them to friends and family, uh, but then we gave it to one person and this one person tweeted about it. And they said, oh, I've just discovered this product. I was able to deposit money from my UK card and the money arrived in less than five seconds and I can use it to swipe. And that was on a Saturday morning. And then around nine o'clock, the phone wouldn't stop ringing. Uh, we had over 200 people say they wanted to get a card. And then since then, it's always been like, how quickly can we get cards delivered? So a side effect of the corona situation is that we get our cards printed in Tanzania. So the cards took uh, longer than they should to arrive in Zambia. But where, as soon as they arrive, they've all been allocated to people because everybody now understands that uh, 
as well as having the virtual card, you can use the Zazu card to be able to do contactless transactions where you just tap and you go. And people find this really uh, comforting, especially in this situation. So that's one thing that we did as well to be able to introduce physical contactless debit cards that allow you to transact safely. But I think the interest from the people has been really encouraging. Uh, people are sharing how they're using it. So we've heard from small businesses who are using uh, the card to be able to save, uh, to be able to save when they purchase in foreign currency. We've heard from students who are using it to just save money in the Zazu wallet, and they like the comfort of having the Zazu debit card uh, and being able to log in to the Zazu app and they see how much exactly they have because it's not like a bank where it says you've got 500 kwacha, 200 is pending, three are like, so how much do I have? Yeah, we don't do that. We also asked him if he thought mobile money platforms do indeed provide businesses with more growth opportunities, or if they take them away despite the positive changes that have occurred from their use. I don't believe it's possible that mobile money could have taken away growth opportunities, because uh, in the past, there was only one way to be able to accept payments, right? People came in with cash. So in this context in 2020, people are not coming to your shop. If you are a business and you are going down because you're like, oh, I don't know how I can get payments in 2020, then at some point it's down to you. Because right now people can come in, they can give you Airtel money, MTN, Zamtel money, they can Zazu you, they can spend you, they can pay with their Visa or their Massacre. There's over 17 different fintechs in Zambia and there's over 24 commercial banks. Uh, so there's a lot of platforms that people are using. But what this means is if you're a smart enough business, you know that I need to have a point of sale machine to be able to accept plastic cards. I need to be able to have a Zazu wallet because in Zazu people can pay you from all of the MNOs. So you can take money from MTN and Zamtel and very soon Airtel. So already on two platforms, you can cover for uh, 3 million, 4 million debit cards in Zambia uh, and over 18 million mobile wallets. So it means that you're not just limited to the people in your vicinity, people who can come in with 50 quacha cash in hand, but you can actually start to interact with those customers on the internet. So I feel like the challenge that we have to, to, to address or that we have to come to terms with is number one, how do we get people comfortable to transact on the internet? Because for a lot of, uh, especially elderly people, the internet is this big, scary place. They don't really understand that uh, there's so many things that you can do to keep yourself safe, especially when it comes to accepting payments. So educating people about the benefits of digital. So the regulators like Bank of Zambia, uh, people like FSD Zambia and Zikta have really been doing this awareness drive to educate small businesses how they can get paid on the internet. And uh, as an ecosystem, uh, I think there's more work that we can be doing to actually educate people. A wallet is safe because you've got a PIN number. A card is safe because you've got a PIN number and it's connected to your app. So what does the future of online banking look like from the eyes of someone running an online banking business? One thing that we wanted to do uh, is to, to say, to think really hard. If you were building a bank in 2020, what would that bank look like? Uh, so you say, well, I've got a smartphone, so I wouldn't need to have a branch because the smartphone can uh, do everything. Once you figure out uh, that a lot of people spend around 40% of their income on servicing their account, uh, whether it's traveling to the bank or it's an account maintenance and account charges, and you really ask yourself, 
why do I have to charge customers to be able to to uh, accept their money? Because what's really happening is you're going to FNB or Interbank, whoever you bank with, and you're saying, I want you guys to manage this money, and you give them your salary. In addition to that, they're going to charge you. And I personally think uh, that is uh, that is not really a unique way to think about how you can help your customers to be able to make more of their money. So the future of banking uh, and the aspects that we're seeing today is remote account opening. So Zazu does that completely, uh, as well as Standard Chartered. Uh, I've got, I really admire their service. So you open an account from your phone and then we deliver the card to you. But once the card comes, that's not the end of it. That's only the beginning. Then the next step is being able to encourage you to be able to really think deeply about how much you spend to be able to give you that data and those insights. Because what happens if you've got a private banking account with uh, one of these top tier banks, they call you up regularly and they say, there's this investment opportunity, there's such and such. But if you're everybody else, your money is just sitting there. So the future of banking is being able to say, this person earns X amount of money and they spend Y amount of money. And we think that we can use all of those insights to be able to help you then start to make your money work for you. So being able to go on the market and say, the best savings product right now is operated by our Mareta. The best loan product is operated by Pestures. And then being able to being able to connect these two sides of the marketplace. So as a consumer, you're not paying account maintenance or account opening fees, but as a bank or as a provider, you're not losing on those uh, income opportunities because you know that this person is looking for this product and by connecting those two people, you get a cut of that transaction. So the future of banking, I feel, is going away from this, uh, we need to charge people as, as much amount as we can, actually going to a position where we say, how do we help people to grow wealth? And how do we use uh, the explosion of smartphone devices and how smart uh, these devices are becoming? Digitization and its effective use does not occur in a vacuum. The environment must be conducive and certain measures must be put into place if enterprises are to integrate technology into their business activities. To talk to us about this is Tassila and Innocent from the National Technology Business Center, NTBC. Let's hear from Innocent first as he tells us a bit about what NTBC is. The National Technology Business Center is a statutory body under the Ministry of Higher Education. Uh, with a mandate to commercialize innovations and to conduct technology transfer. And uh, we've been in existence since April 2002. We were established under the statutory instrument number 136 of 1999, pursuant to the the Science and Technology Act number 26 of 1997. Promotion of innovation, commercialization and transfer of technologies in Zambia these are very powerful mandates to deliver. We asked Innocent who the intended market for such a robust list of deliverables is. Okay, so uh, given the mandates that we, we have, the target audience um, generally is um, innovators from across the country. Uh, one would particularly single out um, uh, uh, citizens with innovative ideas, and then we go on to talk about uh, research and development institutions, universities, and um, anyone that has got an innovation. Like Perseus, we also asked Tassila to share her thoughts regarding the adoption of technology by local Zambian businesses. 
from our experience, we feel that um, there's a lot of room for most of these businesses to adapt technology. Uh, one of the reasons for which we were created was to encourage most of these businesses to utilize technology in its various form to improve efficiency and uh, service delivery. So we feel most of the local businesses are still um, yet to adopt the utilization of technology. Um, some of them have um, taken up the initiative to embrace technology in their um, in their service delivery, but uh, for the most, they still um, they still need to understand how they can refine their business model to include. Uh, use of technology and how best they can adapt it to improve their service delivery. So um, in a nutshell, we feel um, most of the local businesses uh, need to be educated and sensitized on how best they can adapt their businesses and utilize technology to improve efficiency. Innocent argued that it's because of such a scenario that the institution and other businesses trying to push for technological innovations face challenges. This is why NTBC continues to look for solutions that will allow them to continue to deliver on their mandates despite such challenges. He explains... So what we tend to do is we work through our local stakeholders in these regions, be it the local chambers of commerce, uh, local authorities, and uh, government representation in those areas. And in most cases, we interact with uh, women groups that may assist uh, with engagements with the innovators. So we use that route, uh, and more especially that our institution is uh, mostly found in Lusaka. We do not have uh, physical presence in the remote areas. And what is NTBC's approach or strategy towards education and literacy in pushing for innovation and commercialization? Riding on the strategy that we employ vis-a-vis uh, uh, internet uh, accessibility and uh, connectivity, we find that most of the areas where we do activities from our single out um, northwestern province where we have a project in Mufumbwe, uh, even not only the internet, but the, just the normal uh, telephone uh, connectivities is a challenge. You have single out uh, Magodi in Joseph District in Eastern Province, which when you are there, you actually be two years ago, you'll be roaming, you'll be in Malawi. But what we tend to do is that um, we work again with the same uh, uh, local partners uh, who help us to engage with uh, the target uh, uh, clients. And uh, I'm very happy that in all these areas where we've been, uh, the response has been very good. Uh, the locals have been welcoming. And very interesting is that we do get to get um, uh, very uh, high potential uh, innovations, uh, some of which we are working on to commercialize. Tassila emphasized the need for synergy amongst all parts of the digitization ecosystem in their commitment to push for digitization and technological innovativeness if real impact is to be achieved. We feel that um, it's important to organize the ecosystem in such a way that each of the different players um, is contributing uh, to ensuring that these innovators uh, the small businesses are um, made aware of the uh, digitalization process that is taking place. 
globally and um, in, in Zambia as well. So stakeholder involvement is very important and uh, no one can do it alone. Like no government institution can do it, do it alone. No uh, private sector agency can do it alone. So for an ecosystem to be well-functioning, uh, we need to be able to create these deliberate synergies to uh, foster uh, partnerships. Uh, we've worked on a number of uh, projects or programs with Bongo High, for example. Uh, we've worked with uh, developing agencies like you know, UNDP and stuff like that. So it's very important that uh, in as much as we may have uh, different mandates or different roles, we are still serving the same client who is um, the Zambian public, who is those innovators. So in a way, we have to deliberately create programs that uh, foster awareness, mindset change, you know, bring our resources together as the different players within this ecosystem to ensure that uh, at the end of the day, we deliver value to these innovators uh, collectively. Um, if we forget to do that, we end up duplicating efforts and we end up having uh, programs that um, don't meet the demands or the need of the target group. But if we are able to sit uh, the way we have sat today and on any other days for that matter, uh, design these programs, implement them, see to it um, that they are working, monitor and evaluate where we went well, where we went wrong and be able to pick up from the lessons to, um, to improve, then that ecosystem will be well functioning to meet uh, the needs of these uh, innovators who are our target. When asked about how much socioeconomic value can be placed on innovative technologies that have contributed to the digitization of businesses in Zambia, Tassila postulated that its importance is so insurmountable that no monetary value can be attached to it. Uh, I wouldn't put uh, a monetary value to it, but um, what I would um, say is that it's a lot of value, it's high value in terms of the importance that digitalization has brought to um, the Zambian community or the innovators themselves. Um, businesses that have not embraced technology, either in terms of digitalizing their processes or in terms of uh, using a computer instead of, you know, writing down with, uh, in a book, have remained behind. And in most instances, they tend to fail. But for those that have embraced technology at different levels, be it telemarketing, be it uh, an accounting process, be it your customer in a database that is easy for you to um, uh, look at and push a certain product, they've been able to excel. And um, just earlier before the interview, we were talking about um, COVID and what it's done, not only to Zambia, but globally. You find that businesses that have stayed afloat or that have had less impact have been those that have adapted or adopted technology in their service. So payment systems, you, don't, you are in lockdown. You need to be able to access the bank, what you do. So the entire supply chain, if you are able to digitalize, uh, ensure that you pay, pay your suppliers through a mobile app or you pay your suppliers via online, you're able to still get your goods and services on time. You're able to deliver to your clients using the different delivery modes that don't necessarily entail your clients coming to, um, to your premises. So those are some of the value that digitalization has created for businesses to be able to tap in and utilize and be able to survive. 
This has been a discussion on the wave of digitization and its impact on businesses. We looked at some of the innovative ways that businesses are adapting with technology, especially in a time of a global pandemic. We also discussed the conditions that must be set in place to effectively utilize technology so that it has a positive impact on businesses, users, and the economy. Join us again as we venture into the world of partnerships, specifically how they can be structured for SMEs navigating the African landscape. This has been the Bongo High podcast brought to you in partnership with the ITC's Fast Track Tech Africa initiative. Visit www.bongohive.co.zm forward slash podcast to subscribe and listen to more episodes, which are available on all major podcasting platforms.